0: Welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals Podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to InsurTech It's a Brave New World. Join your host, Cheryl Davis, along with our experts, Matt Brash and Terry Hitchcock, as they dive into the realm of InsurTech. What is it? How does it work? Where does compliance fit in? And are there surprises? Learn about this innovative and forward-thinking segment of the insurance industry and how it is building a culture of compliance in this brave new world. Cheryl Davis currently leads the state exam management team responsible for handling all state regulatory exam requests for the nationwide insurance group and holds the AMCM, ALMI, AIRC, and ACS designations. Next, Matt Brash is Associate General Counsel at the Innovative Rideshare InsurTech, Buckle. In this role, Matt provides insurance legal support to the business in all areas, relying on his experience in leading insurance companies to innovative solutions to meet the increasing compliance and legal requirements of the modern insurance industry. Prior to joining Buckle in 2020, Matt was the Director of Compliance at Digital Partners, a Munich Re company, where he was responsible for the development of the compliance management system and the oversight of Digital Partners, Innovative Property and Casualty Insurers, and their industry-disrupting InsurTech partners. Matt has been an active member of the AICP and the Insurance Regulatory Examiner Society since 2008. Finally, Terry Hitchcock's insurance career has spanned the past 40 years, mostly on the insurance company side, in disciplines that include legal, compliance, underwriting, product design, company operations, reinsurance, and litigation management. She has been a member of AICP for nine years and encourages those who have not yet joined to do so and take advantage of the incredible opportunities to develop professionally and to meet some incredibly talented industry professionals. And now, here's your host, Cheryl Davis.
1: Thank you, Matt and Terry, for joining me today for this podcast on InsureTech. Let's start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Can you each talk about who you are and how you came to work for your current company?
2: Sure. Thanks, Cheryl, for having me on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here talk a little bit about InsureTech and where it's come over the past few years. So as you said, my name is Matt Brash. I'm uh, an attorney by training. Uh, I started in private practice. I was there for about 12 years, got into insurance compliance. Halfway through that time, at the end of my 12 years of private practice, I went in-house, held the role of a compliance officer and assistant general counsel. And during that time, uh, really learned a lot about what's now called digital transformation, taking established systems and processes and turning them into uh, digital platforms as much as possible. And uh, from that company, I went to another one that focused solely on the development of InsurTech entities. And then uh, last November, within the past year, I saw an opportunity and uh, went to join an InsurTech And so I am working now at a company called Buckle that provides uh, a specialized auto policy for TNC, transportation network company drivers, people who drive for Lyft and Uber, those types of companies. And uh, it's a unique product that uh, we're rolling out and very excited about.
3: And Terry Hitchcock, and thank you also for including me in this. I actually took a slightly different path than Matt did. I actually started in the insurance industry before I went to law school, went to law school in the evenings while working as an underwriter. And when I got out of law school, decided to stick with the insurance industry, went to work with the general counsel's office at my insurance company. So I've actually worked in-house for insurance companies for a, a number of years, putting to use a lot of that operational information that I had Gathered while working on the front lines. And then about, oh, 12 years ago, left the company side of the house and went to work for a consulting company. And while at the consulting company, a number of my clients, including Matt's current employer, uh, were some of our clients as the insurtechs who were getting into the insurance industry at the time, but didn't have a lot of knowledge on a lot of the regulatory and the compliance piece of the industry. So um, I got to know a number of insure techs just because I found that they were absolutely brilliant and the agility with which they approached the insurance industry was something like we had not seen before. The insurance companies have been so steeped in kind of antiquated IT systems and things like that, but they were kind of the insure techs. Didn't have a lot of familiarity with the financial institutions and what we dealt with in terms of the regulators and the 51 or 54 or 57 jurisdictions, depending on how far you went out into the territories and positions. So um, I got to meet a number of the insured techs and their personnel. And then from there, was actually offered a position with an insurtech. And I currently work for Thimble. Which is an insure tech that offers both coverages to drone pilots and commercial insurers, and they are taking a um, position which is, you know, unlike a number of traditional insurance companies, and offering to gig workers and some short-term on-demand policies. Again, kind of pushing the envelope and turning the industry on its ear a little bit. So,
1: thank you both for letting us get to know you each a little bit better. So now let's make sure that we're all on the same page with exactly what is InsurTech. So let's start off with how would you define InsurTech? Let's this time around start with Gary.
3: Again, I, I think, you know, InsurTech is is one of those words that it's kind of like what one of the Supreme Court justices described, pornography, I'll know it when I see it. You know, and, and it's that way for InsurTechs too. It's they use technology to basically make the insurance industry, and as I used this term before, a more agile, a more user friendly, and easier mechanism with through which to get insurance. So whether it's the deliverability of insurance, whether it's accessibility of insurance, whether it's even the ease of understanding insurance, but using those technology tools that we haven't used in the past, you know, from going back in you know the seventies and eighties of typewriters onto you know dot matrix printers and and things like that using you know rating capabilities which which we've all seen but now we're learning new ways to deliver products and with those new ways of delivering products developing new products and and Matt I'll turn it over to you because I know your company is finding new ways to deliver new products all the time.
2: Thanks, Terry. Well it's uh interesting even the evolution of insurtech and the definition of insurtech over the past you know 5 7 years there's already been changes to it so when i think when insurtech first started it was really this concept of people coming out of silicon valley with ideas on how to do things on apps and how to make the insurance value chain faster better for the consumer and it's uh then kind of evolved into well we want to become some, not all, want to become a digital insurance carrier where instead of having buildings filled with people that are pushing papers around, to, you know, like uh, an old vision of an insurance company, like from the Incredibles, if anybody remembers that, how Mr. Incredible was working <laughs> in that deep dark insurance company and moving it into leveraging the tools and the technology that's out there. It's throughout the insurance value chain. So it's not necessarily all products. It's claims operations. It's bill pay. It's, you know, every piece finding a way to make everything easier. And from Buckle's perspective, you know, finding a way to make the gig economy, folks that are not in traditional nine to five jobs, making the insurance Proposition easier for them in every aspect of it. So, Insurtech, I think, has expanded its definition to really become anything that shows innovation within the insurance industry.
1: Thank you, both. So, let's talk a little bit about what are the positive things about working for or with an Insurtech company. Matt, do you want to start?
2: So, for me, it's just, you know, being in a company that's growing, that has future vision that's we're doing things differently. It's different people have different expectations of what they want for a job. If somebody wants to go into a job and do nine to five and walk in the door and there's established processes and established roles, you know, that's out there. But the insure tech is constantly, like Terry said, insure tech industry, as you want to call it, is uh, agile. It's changing. It's constantly trying to find the next best thing. So it's constantly moving. It's exciting, and uh, I, I really enjoy that.
3: To me, it's also very entrepreneurial. You know, the insuretechs, and again, a lot of the founders of insuretechs, a lot of the people it attracts, and I think you've said this in another way, Matt, is it attracts people who really are seeking to change things, and it's not that they want to change things necessarily because you know insurance is is bad and we need to to do things differently but but they want to make things better and again you know for those of us who who have children who literally i think came out of the womb with cell phones attached to their to their hands you know these kids don't know how to write a check out of a checkbook they don't know how to fill out a paper application you know they wouldn't know how to take a picture with a camera they wouldn't know how to take a roll of film to get it developed you know everything they have to do they have to do on their phones and so it's an industry that that has to learn to cater to this upcoming generation and so you know the insurtechs are finding ways to make this possible for them and as as Matt said whether it's the bill payment whether it's the claim settlement whether it's explaining to them through a pop-up box or a short video or, you know, a spoof on a on a comedy movie or something, you know, what is an insurable interest? What's the difference between third-party claims and first-party claims? But it's, you know, and it's all done within a very short attention span because none of us have the patience to read a five-page article anymore. So, and, and InsureTechs, I think, bring that all to us and and in a new and exciting and innovative way of doing it.
1: So, with you both having legal and compliance backgrounds, what are some of the opportunities or things that keep you up at night? <laughs> Terry's laughing. Do you want to
3: start? Sure. The people that I've met in this industry are incredibly bright. But again, not coming from a heavily regulated background for the most part, they're constantly innovating. And one of my favorite things is trying to explain to them in the PNC industry that there are 10 states that require an application to be filed and yet they want to experiment all the time with you know different way of doing things and you know and and doing new experiments on how to present an application in the flow process and they don't understand that every time they make a little tweak to a question or a drop down box or something like that in these 10 states we have to file those changes and 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 they just don't understand that kind of thing. So it's it's to me it's it's the unintentional non-compliance that sometimes scares me and just trying to keep up with them. And another issue sometimes is when we're trying to explain things and simplify insurance, you can only simplify insurance in so many ways before you get to the point where you don't want to be misleading to someone in an advertisement or in an explanation. And and again, trying to explain to someone that, yes, I understand that we're trying to, and I excuse the expression, dumb things down. But if you dumb things down too much, you run the risk of being somewhat misleading. So those are two areas in compliance that sometimes scare me. And I'm accused of being difficult when I when I bring this up to them. <laughs>
2: I think most of us are, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, I think if uh, if if you're doing your job correctly as a compliance person, then you should be scaring them and be difficult a little bit sometimes, right? Yes. You know that's it's like you mentioned, Terry. You know, there's a lot of brilliant people in in sure tech, but like you said, not all of them have come from a highly regulated industry like ours, and so having that background knowledge and those experiences with regulatory change and, you know, consumer complaints, all these things that we have to implement into this new fantastic system that somebody's dreamed up. I I view it, yes, obviously, these are the things that keep me up at night, but at the same time, I love it because here as you're building and you're at the front end of it, you know, this is what I always say is, you know, Compliance needs to be at the beginning, middle, and end of every insurance transaction. We need to be there when it's being built. We need to make sure it's being maintained, and uh, you know when things go bad, we have to be there to help out too. So hopefully that's not too many times. Uh, but yes, I just you know it's every day I fire up my computer and I get an email from some function of the company saying, "Hey, we need to do this," and I say, "Whoa, <laughs> hold on a second." If we're going to do that, we have to look at this regulation or this bulletin, depending on the state. And how are we going to plug that in into our systems so that it's there, it's done, and we kind of don't have to think about it, other than you know the compliance team looking at a dashboard and making sure that uh, all the all the metrics are working out in our favor, so that we know that our business is doing what they're supposed to do to meet the regulations, and of course be innovative and do everything for our customers that we can. So it's, uh, it's exciting. It's a great opportunity.
1: So let's talk a little bit about what surprised you, right? So you both have come from more traditional insurance backgrounds. You're both with Insurtech now. What's the most surprising thing you've learned so far?
2: So I think one of the most surprising things I've learned is exactly what I said earlier, is that, you know, when I first started hearing about InsurTech, I had this vision in my head of what an insure tech company would be. It would be, you know, a company based on, you know, all these digital tools and filled with people who'd been in the industry for a long time. And the more folks I meet from different insure techs, and even in my own experience, you realize that it really is when these companies are coming together, it's a team effort of the tech people, of insurance people, of Legal departments of its, it really is a great like working environment to build this thing that hasn't really been seen before. So that's what was surprising to me, and I guess every day I get surprised by you know someone asking a question, and I'm just kind of like, oh, well I know that, but this person doesn't know that, and then it kind of makes me think back to like you know at my old insurance company. There were a lot of other people who knew that, but here i guess i'm the one that knows that so i have to spread the word and you know become a uh, compliance uh, guru i guess to spread the word and spread that corporate culture of uh, compliance and it's interesting it's it's surprising and yet not surprising
3: <laughs> one one of the things that i found or, or i find very surprising and actually that i'm really enjoying is that back at the beginning of my career In the late 80s, early 90s, there was a run on, at the time, what we would call managing general agents who would take books of business, find reinsurers out there, basically run insurance companies into the ground, take advantage of it, and essentially take the money and run. And a lot of insurance companies and reinsurers were left holding the bag. Because these MGAs, and, and not all of them, but there were a lot of unscrupulous MGAs who were out there just to essentially be there for the short term and, and take a lot of money away. What I'm finding out about the insure techs out there, a lot of them are finding partners and they're acting as program managers and they're finding partners out there, but they really want to be here for the long haul. More and more of them are finding ways either through Captive arrangements or looking to be risk takers, starting their own insurance companies, partnering with reinsurers and doing it on a profit sharing basis. That these insure techs are here as part of the financial industry, not just to make money on the commission or on kind of referral basis, but they really are here to make money in the financial industry and to be risk takers. And I find that very refreshing because you know again, a lot of times when you have new entrants in the marketplace, they're looking for a way to make a quick buck and and again, I don't mean to paint too many people with a broad brush, but what I do like about a lot of the insured techs with whom I'm dealing and and not just my company or or Matt's company or some of the others, but a lot of them are really here to be risk takers and when they do that, that means to me that they're serious about you know looking for profitable business and doing things the right way you know finding the right rates for their business and and doing underwriting toward profitability and not just putting premium on the book so that's one of the most surprising things that i've found and and again matt i don't know if if you've found that as well but i that's kind of refreshing to me
2: no it's it's absolutely and uh, you know and i can point directly to my company um, buckle you know our our senior leadership has made it our goal to support the gig economy. So right now we're doing that through a hybrid product that supports folks who are, you know, driving for uh, you know, TNC companies and they don't work 9 to 5, they work, you know, when they can for those hours so they can turn it on and turn it off. It is our vision to find more ways to help that gig economy that rising middle class to get out of the you know, the, the credit cycle and improve their lives, improve their wealth. And we have lots of plans that I'm, you know, not going to talk about today, but uh, to do things <laughs> like that. And and just that that motivation, that dedication of our senior leadership is exactly what you're talking about, Terry. You know, it's not, we're not just here to push out policies, generate premium, just keep cranking it out there's a higher purpose to it. And that is something I really do appreciate being in and insure tech lends itself for that.
3: Yes. And, you know, a lot of us again, in the insure tech industry found, especially through the pandemic that with buckle and the gig economy with Thimble, with our short-term policies, you know, it, it was a solution. I am sure that there were a lot of people who were doing Uber and Lyft driving, during the pandemic that never thought they would because they were either put on furlough or they they lost their jobs and similarly you know we had a lot of people who needed to purchase short term policies because suddenly they were becoming cleaners and janitors because again having been let go suddenly the only jobs they could do were local cleaning jobs for suddenly restaurants or hospitals that had to add people to it so again you know the insuretechs Found, found ways to make insurance affordable and available to folks. So again, as Matt said, not to put us up there with first responders, but kind of a higher calling in, in some respects.
1: Okay, so we'll move on from talking about things that surprise you To since this podcast was designed for students in mind, especially college students, what should students looking to get into tech compliance keep in mind?
3: You know, one of the things, and and Matt and I have done a couple of sessions together, so I'm going to steal this before he does, and then he's going to have to think of something else. But when we've done some of these compliance sessions, we have talked about something called a culture of compliance, okay, which means you don't only think about compliance when you're getting ready to do an audit or when you're getting ready to do some kind of filing or when you're specifically talking to a compliance person. You, you kind of have compliance as one of those backdrops to pretty much everything you do, and it just becomes ingrained into you. So as you as you do things, you just kind of try to get everybody on your team, even if they're not part of the in- compliance team, to be thinking about those key issues that are important. You know, just it's, it's kind of like that, that angel and devil on your shoulder, you know, kind of balancing it out, you know, pretending that either your grandmother is constantly watching over to make sure you're doing the right thing. So if you're getting into compliance, it's it's balancing being able to sell your product or being able to offer your product or being able to create your product and make it, you know, attractive to the consumer but still being able to stay within the guidelines. And that's not to say that you don't sometimes question the laws and the regs, and you don't sometimes work with regulators to um, push the envelope, as it were, or to be creative, to stay within those guidelines. But but to have everybody on your team, from the top all the way down to the newest person in the door, keeping compliance foremost in their minds. They They don't all have to become compliance experts, but they have to just... Know enough to ask the questions or just ask themselves, "Is there anything here that that's making me just think twice about what I put down on a piece of paper, or I'm sorry, we don't use paper anymore <laughs> about what I type on my screen, so Matt, your
2: thoughts I absolutely agree with the uh culture of compliance, obviously, and what you just said about everyone, everyone in the company looking at what they're doing. On a daily basis, and making sure that you, as the compliance professional, are making sure that everyone is aware of what they need to look at and empowered to report it if they see something that they're not sure about that's maybe that's not right. they need to feel comfortable to come to you and not like they're going to get in trouble for coming, but you know potentially saving the company uh, from some terrible outcome if they just avoid or they're afraid to say something when they see it as far as compliance professionals students who are listening to the podcast right now what you need to keep in mind is that insurtech is not just a segment of the industry anymore most well i don't want to say most but many of the traditional legacy insurance carriers are adopting insurtech whether it's a tool or a system, or just a way of thought, they see the value in it. And as much as they can, they're grabbing it as well. And what drives InsurTech in all these insurance companies? It's data. So the more you as a student can learn about data, data engineering, anything, uh, how to read an Excel spreadsheet's not just going to, quite cut it anymore. You need to know a little bit more deeper. You need to know how things like Power BI work and dashboarding and how the data flows into your reports and how you can apply that to trending over things that are happening at your company. And that whether you're in an insure tech or a company that's been around for 175 years, that's here. The world is now and you need to be able to do that while you're also learning about the nuts and bolts of insurance and insurance regulation.
3: And Matt, I think you also brought up a really, really good point. You know, you as the, the compliance professional have to create a, a feeling of trust and of kind of no judgment. We used to call it the safe zone when, when, I, when I had smaller children where you could come in and essentially you could say anything. There may be consequences, like you might have to fix things, but there was no judgment there. And and you weren't going to get, you know, if if someone came in and said, "Look, I I did this and 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 I realized now that I shouldn't have done it. We shouldn't have put these rate filings in until we had approval and all that kind of stuff." You can't be the one who makes them feel bad or makes them feel they've done something wrong. They've got to feel that they can come to you and talk to you and you're not going to pass judgment on them because you've got to be a partner with them. And again, that that's also got to be a feeling that that you let your most senior manager knows too, so that they instill this feeling of of trust among the compliance professional. Because if you're seen as kind of the um, the rat squad, as it were, no one's ever going to come to you, and and you're not going to find out until those fines are mounting up against you. So again, as a compliance professional, you've got to be viewed as a partner and not necessarily the enemy, I guess is is kind of what I'm saying. Absolutely. So our last question, looking into your
1: crystal ball, what do you see on the future horizon for insure tech?
2: Well, I think it you know, follows what I just said. I mean, it doesn't matter if your company is labeled an insure tech or not. Data is the wave of the future. I mean, it's kind of, I say that tongue in cheek because as far as insurance, especially with underwriting, data has always been <laughs> here. And, uh, but it's it's coming. Uh, innovation is not going to stop. More and more things you can do with devices and tools and every day, uh, there's more ideas about taking traditional processes that were in the insurance value chain and putting it into a technological solution that makes things go faster, which benefits the uh, consumer, the policyholder, claimants, And uh, hopefully, in the end, can decrease the cost of insurance uh, across the economy.
3: I think one of the other things that we can probably expect is that I think regulators are going to become more savvy and even um, apply more scrutiny. For example, many insurtechs today and, and many even, again, as Matt says, many of the traditional insurance companies do a lot of advertising on the Internet or you know they may they may use apps and things like that and we do submit our print screens and things like that to the regulators and the regulators review them but right now the regulators don't have the horses to actually just do spot checks of websites and apps and things like that but technically all of that does fall within their purview under advertising and marketing and things like that and as as more and more comes online and more and more marketing is done that way, as opposed to print advertising, you know, as newspapers and magazines are becoming less plentiful and more is being done online, I think insurtechs, as well as traditional insurance companies that are doing more marketing, are going to have to pay attention to those kind of things that they put out there, whether it's a blog out there, whether it's a flow screen they put out there, as I mentioned, whether somebody tweaks something out there, all I'm saying is be careful what you put out there on your websites and on your advertising and and thinking that it's out there in the digital world because I think that's going to become a, a hotbed for regulatory review over the next couple of years. I think we're going to see a lot come out of that as well.
2: I agree. And yeah, I mean, I think a perfect example of that has been the market conduct exam, right? I mean, there was... There was a time where market conduct exams by the regulators would have regulators on site at an insurance company for months, if not a year, going through physical files and charging that back to the insurance company and all well within their regulatory rights to do that. But the amount of time and people hours it took to do all that has clearly been changed dramatically by market conduct analysis, market analysis, right? Where you have level one desk reviews that are being done digitally and market conduct annual statement where data on claims and underwriting and consumer complaints are being submitted through a portal to the regulators every year collecting that data. So I would expect that in the next few years, more of that is coming. Like you said, Terry Over. Marketing, advertising over any areas, that's it's all about the data. And if the data is in the systems, then somebody can pull it and read it and trend it. So I think it's coming.
3: And I think many regulators who in the past were not as comfortable doing things digitally and online, if nothing else, 2020 taught all of us that anything that you can do with a pen and paper at a desk, you know, March 13th, 2020 changed all that everything can be done remotely and, and via, you know, your laptop. So I think we're going to see a lot of that because, you know, who would have thought we'd be doing zoom calls with regulators two years ago?
2: Absolutely. That's right. Yep.
3: So. Well,
1: Matt and Terry, thank you again for joining me today for this podcast. Do you have any parting comments you want to
3: share? I would just say that I think, Insurance compliance, especially in the tech world, is a great place to think about a future career. So I would just definitely recommend your thoughts and joining us. And certainly, Cheryl, if our contact information is available, I'm more than willing, and I know Matt is, to talk to anybody who has additional questions for us.
2: That's right. And as far as the insurance industry as a whole as a, and the compliance segment within the insurance industry, we always used to say, at least the older ones of us, uh, we all fell into insurance. Nobody ever planned to go into insurance. And we certainly did not plan on getting into insurance compliance. But once you're here, if you've got the right mindset for it, it's an absolutely fantastic career, but it is drastically changing. and, And you need to have that data background, that tech background to keep up with what's coming. So it's exciting and it's changing and don't ever think if you are considering a career in the insurance industry, especially in compliance, that you're going to be sitting behind a desk like Mr. Incredible. It's uh, it's exciting and you'll be <laughs> on a Zoom call with Mr. Incredible maybe. I don't know. You know. And of course, <laughs> keep up to date with what's going on with the AICP because AICP has been fundamental in creating my educational background in compliance. I'd encourage everyone to become a member and stay involved.
1: Well, thank you both again for making time today. We really appreciate you putting together your content and sharing your insights with the students that are participating in the AICP podcast series. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye now. Thank you.